time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Thanks for being with us today on Re-Engineering Your Finances with Charles Weldy, the founder of CP Weldy Group, a certified financial planner and CPA, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas and uh, all points around the Chads Ford, Pennsylvania direction. You can find us online at cpweldygroup.com. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about making smart decisions during major life events. Some of the things that you should be thinking about when you're encountering some significant event in your life. This will be kind of fun, Charles, and uh, welcome to the show. Good to be with you as always. Uh, this can be a lot of fun and, and very interesting because what I want to do is try to talk a little bit about, I don't know, I guess what people can do before they hit these life events but also sure. what to do if someone hits this life event without having prepared for it, and maybe just some stories from your office of when you've seen people go through these various situations. Because I imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Charles, I imagine everybody's a little bit different in terms of have they prepared for this particular situation, but even if some people are well prepared, sometimes it's still a big shock when some of these major life events happen, right? Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've got five situations we're going to take you through on the show today, five major life events. Let's start with uh, with one of the softer ones, perhaps, uh, a job change. This can obviously be very unplanned, um, or it, it can still be planned, um, but this could be a major life event, especially if it's happening to somebody near retirement. Take us through what that conversation looks like and what some of the problem points are. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when people change jobs or get laid off, I mean, you know, they really have an option leaving their money, you know, where it is in their 401k at work or moving it to, um, you know, a personalized IRA or you know, if they get another job, rolling it over into the new job. So I've always been an advocate, you know, even though I have a conflict of interest, you know, because I would be managing the money if they didn't move it over to a, another 401k. I'm always an advocate of moving over to an individual IRA. And the reason being, Walter, is that, you know, generally speaking, they'll have a lot more options in an individual IRA than they would in a 401k uh, program. 401k programs generally will have, you know, a series of choices. But, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. I have a, um, a client that maybe about two years ago, she changed jobs and, you know, she had the opportunity of moving it over to her new company, 401k, or moving it to an individual IRA, which eventually she did after she met with me. And what we did is we actually set up, she's actually, I think, as we speak, about 62 years old, and it's been a couple of years. She actually has an investment that will actually provide her a lifetime pension tax-free for the rest of her life. And, you know, if she moved that over to her 401k, um, you know, obviously, you know, she wouldn't have been in the investment she's in now. And, um, you know, it wouldn't be marinating like it is now over the years prior to her retirement. So um, the point I want to make is that, you know, there's nothing bad or wrong uh, continuing with your uh, former employer's 401k or moving over to your new employer's 401k. But generally speaking, if you move it over to a self-directed IRA uh, and you have access to an advisor, he or she has a myriad of opportunities out there that might not exist in a 401k program. And as an aside, I mean, if that advisor is good, you know, in terms of tax planning or insurance planning, that might be a big bonus because they're the ages like, um, I guess, like late 40s, you know, anytime in your 50s, early 60s, where, you know, maybe like your 401k is like too overfunded and maybe you should start converting some of those monies to a tax-free account or an after-tax account. 
Um, I hope that answers that question on job changes. I mean, there's nothing bad or wrong, but I think you're in a better position because you have more opportunities having a self-directed IRA account. Great illustration there, Charles, about how that situation can play out for various folks. Again, we're talking about major life events. Another big one we have to address here, Charles, is a divorce, unfortunately, more and more common these days, and in particular becoming more common among uh, you know older adults, folks that are approaching their retirement years. And uh, boy, you talk about something that really upends the plans, whether it's right before retirement or even during retirement. Boy, what a complicated situation to go through, both emotionally as well as all the financial implications. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I don't get in the emotional end of it, but, you know, uh, the dollars and cents, I mean, realistically, it's critical that when you get divorced that you really look and see what each party's getting after taxes. And that's key, after taxes. I would rather inherit a $100,000 CD in a divorce than a $100,000 IRA because when I take the money out of the IRA, I got a partner in Uncle Sam. He's probably going to take somewhere around 25% of it. So it's really critical that when you split up the assets that it's done equitably and each partner gets their, you know, equal share uh, and you really define it after taxes. All right. So that's number one. But I just worked on an interesting case and I couldn't believe that my client told me uh, that their lawyer didn't, you know, understand like what I was trying to accomplish. And here's, here's a scenario. Uh, husband and wife married for many years. They're both clients of mine. They just got divorced. And uh, basically, she gave up her career for her husband. He's an engineer. And for the most part, um, he's going to get a nice social security check, let's just say $3,000 a month when he retires in another year and a half. Well, she gave up her career. She's going to get stuck with $1,500 a month, half of what he's going to get at his full retirement age because she really didn't go out there and work. She sacrificed her time and efforts raising the family. So basically what I said is like, wait a minute, it's not fair. You gave up your career. You should get compensated for this. So we kind of took $1,500 a month, the difference between $3,000 and the $1,500 she's getting. And we kind of like looked at her life expectancy and we kind of came up with a formula to actually have her be able to, you know, put in a claim for X amount of dollars to claw back into her, you know, after divorce funds to make up for that lost social security benefit for the next 25, 30 years. When she mentioned that to her attorney, like, how come, uh, Miss Attorney, you didn't think of that? She goes, I've never seen that in my practice, which I find it unbelievable because uh, that's a big deal. It actually came to be about $160,000 present value. So that wasn't chump change. So obviously, my client loves me. <laughs> uh, maybe the husband doesn't like me as much, but what's fair, you know, in war is fair and peace. And for the most part, you know, they both agreed to it. And uh, that's a big deal. You got to carve out additional money to compensate for that lost social security benefit. And most people don't do that, you know, based upon what my client told me, at least her lawyer didn't do it or didn't think about it. Hmm. Very interesting. And uh, yeah, there's the emotional side's enough. And then you throw in all the financial complications and uh, you've got your hands full. And so, no, it's tough to walk people through that, Charles, but uh, you've had to do it before and uh, it won't be the last time that you've done it either. Uh, Other people will go through that. And so that's just one area you've got to make sure that you're making smart decisions because if you don't, Charles, the consequences are are huge, right? There's there's a lot of ways that that can go very wrong. Yeah, a lot of them aren't, you can't undo them. Once, you know, that money, you know, once you sign that agreement, it's over. Great points. All right, let's talk about another scenario. We're going through a couple of different types of life events. 
that you need to make smart decisions when you go through these things, how you can either plan for them in advance or when they hit you, make the smart decisions then. What about an inheritance? This can be a blessing for many people, obviously, but uh, it's kind of a situation that not a lot of people are going to go through in life. Yeah, well, um, I just, you know, again, like perfect timing. I just had a case like within the last like six weeks that um, a woman who was divorced from her former husband, he passed away and she inherited like $800,000. So she's like really happy. And, um, you know, the only, I guess, uh, fly in the ointment, so to speak, is it wasn't all after tax money. Some of it was a Roth IRA. Some of it was a traditional IRA. And there's different rules. So what we did is, you know, we said, all right, your traditional IRA, here's the rules. You know, you've got to spend this money, take this money out over the next 10 years, whether you want to or not. I mean, that's the rule. And after the 10th year, if there's anything left over in there, you're going to get hit with a big penalty. So basically what we did with her traditional IRA that she inherited, we put it in, quote, a safe investment where the income's fairly predictable and she has to pull out so much a year for the next 10 years, you know, that was invested more conservatively and for income, right? Uh, then the Roth IRA, the rules for the Roth IRA are like, hey, yeah, you got to pull it out in 10 years, but you can let it ride for like, you know, nine years and 364 days before you pull it out. So what we did with that, Walter, is we invested that in a 100% stock portfolio, figuring like, hey, time, you know, really reduces risk and, you know, she should be in better shape, you know, 10 years from now, you know, having that money invested in equities as opposed to fixed income. So, you know, that's really the big deal is like, um, you know, uh, there's so many rules when people inherit uh, and, you know, should you invest it lump sum into the market? Should you dollar cost average? I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, you know, I have my opinions and, you know, for the most part, you know, um, I kind of like to get that money in, you know, within, you know, six to 12 months of the inheritance. But for the most part, um, the danger with inheriting IRAs, whether a Roth or traditional IRAs, is most People don't know the rules. And if they make a mistake, all that money could be taxable, you know, uh, in the year that it's distributed as opposed to the year that it could potentially be rolled over and taken out strategically over a period of time. It's a big one. Inheritance, if you have not been through it before, um, you know, it's going to be something that's very new to you and you're going to want some guidance on how to navigate that properly. And there's a lot of ways that that can go wrong major life event as well. And it can be life-changing in a positive way, uh, but you also could miss some great opportunities if you're not careful. So seek some advice if you're going through that situation. All right, maybe maybe the softest major life change that we're going to deal with today, and then we'll do the heaviest one, Charles. Um, becoming an empty nester. You've said goodbye to the kids. They're either heading off to college, they're out on their own finally, and uh, you're, you're back to just you in the household. Uh, does that present a, a financial planning opportunity for folks? What's their to know about that major life event? Well, I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, when you're an empty nester, I mean, the big question, the million dollar question is, are you going to stay in your current residence or are you going to move? I've had several clients after their their kids grow up, they move to uh, North Carolina, you know, from here from Pennsylvania. And that's important to know, Walter, because, hey, if you're going to downsize your house, uh, you know, living in North Carolina is a lot cheaper than living in Pennsylvania in terms of housing. Uh, also, like, you know, the state income taxes, they vary. Like if I have somebody in maybe the state of Delaware that is planning on moving to, um, say, uh, Florida, 
I'll know that, you know what, Florida doesn't tax, um, you know, uh, IRA, Roth IRA conversions and, and, uh, Delaware does. So it's really important to really know once someone becomes an empty nester or anticipates becoming an empty nester, what their plans are in terms of where they're going to be living. And, uh, you know, and really the plans can be adjusted accordingly, uh, based upon their state of residency. Yeah, I think that's really, uh, really an interesting one to talk about there. And uh, a lot of opportunities for folks will pop up during that empty nester phase. And, and that you just illustrated one great example there. All right, last but not least, Charles, we're talking about major life events. So we have to include this one. And we talk about emotional, you know, things, but the death of a spouse, you know, it, it's really, it's going to happen to all of us, most likely at some point, um, and, you know, unless we go back to point number two and a divorce happens maybe before this takes place, but something that we know is going to happen, yet so few people are prepared for it to occur. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, when someone passes away, you know, your spouse passes away, there's less income because obviously one social security check disappears. You're in a higher tax bracket because single people are taxed higher than married couples. And uh, one of the things that I always try to like, um, you know, make sure if it makes sense is the year that someone passes away, hey, do they have any like pre-tax accounts? It might be a good opportunity to do Roth conversions because that surviving spouse will never be in a lower tax bracket than the bracket they're in the year that their spouse passed away. And also what a lot of people don't realize is that, um, you know, you might have like um, joint accounts, you might have individual accounts, and those accounts could have capital loss carryovers. And a capital loss carryover generally is limited to $3,000 a year. Well, if someone, um, you know, passed away, like say my spouse passes away and she had an account that had um, uh, carryovers of like $20,000, Unless I sell $20,000 of stock at a gain, those losses are going to be lost forever because they were in her name only. So it's really critical to like, you know, uh, look at the prior year tax return, see how assets are titled, um, and really like, uh, don't let that, uh, last jointly filing tax return year go to waste without considering, hey, are there opportunities to harvest any capital gains? use capital losses that will be lost forever, maybe do Roth conversions, you know, because this is the last year that will be in this low tax bracket. Um, and also like even a gift tax return. Most people don't have $12 million. They don't have to file a federal uh, estate tax return. But if you did file one, you know, you could actually like go on record saying what the fair market value of certain assets are so that in the event that they were sold at a later date, you establish a basis for them. Again, like, you know, when people pass away, the emotion sets in and, you know, people aren't thinking about finances, but having a plan in advance. And uh, we even have like in part of our deliverable, you know, if one spouse passed away, here are things that you got to do in what order. And it really has been very helpful for a lot of our clients who have lost their spouses throughout the years. Uh, that's great, Charles. I'm glad that you're able to help people and shepherd them through that very stressful and difficult time. All of these major life events that we talked about today do require planning when they happen. You've got to start reacting to it and planning. But even better, if you've got a great financial and retirement plan in place, you can be accounting for some of these things on the front end. 
Uh, you could be planning in advance for things like what if a job change happens? You know, what kind of situation will that leave me in? Um, you know, what, empty nester. Hey, that's on the horizon. What are some opportunities for us? You know, a lot of these things can be looked at in advance and incorporated into the plan or at least have an idea of how you're going to react and what you're going to do when one of these things occurs. That is always helpful. So whether you're on the front end of that planning process or maybe you're going through one of these situations right now and you don't know the right path forward, well, that's a great indication to pick up the phone, give Charles a call, and talk a little bit about how all this fits into your financial and retirement plan. So pick up the phone and give Charles a call if you have any questions at all, 610-388-7705, 610-388-7705, or online at cpweldygroup.com, cpweldygroup.com, your place to go to check that out. Charles, thank you so much for your help on the show today, walking us through these major life events, and we'll have another good show with you next time around. Thank you, Walter. Much appreciated. Enjoy the holidays, and we'll talk to everybody coming up soon right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.